G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to our 15th episode of Series 6 of This Week in Startups Australia. Our theme for Series 6, taking the Australian startup ecosystem from good to great, continues with a look into its beating heart. Fishburners is the epicenter of all things startup in Australia, so we're sitting for an extensive interview with new managing director Pandora Shelley. How has the move to the Sydney Startup Hub changed Fishburners, and how can Fishburners maintain its role as the soul and conscience of Australia's startup land? Going for the burn on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is proudly sponsored by MYOB. Running a startup is pretty cool, but doing the books isn't. MYOB makes it easier. For your free trial, visit myob.com twista. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by the University of Technology, Sydney, supporting students to become startup founders. UTS is engaging, inspiring, and connecting students to take the leap as startup founders. Check out what they're up to at startups.uts.edu.au. And This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by Campaign Monitor. When it comes to email marketing, there's so much more that goes into creating smart and effective campaigns than what meets the eye. To start building smart and beautiful email newsletters today, try Campaign Monitor for free at campaignmonitor.com twist. There's no place more important to Australia's startup ecosystem than Fishburners. This podcast began over four years ago in the basement of Fishburners, and that's both a reflection of where we were back then with a small community that was struggling to grow and a sign of how far we've grown as we sit in the huge and bursting at the seams Sydney startup hub. So it is with a great deal of pleasure that I welcome to This Week in Startups Australia, Pandora Shelley, CEO of Fishburners. Welcome, Pandora. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. So you go almost all the way back. Tell us about how you came into Fishburners. Yeah, no, it's a good question. So I started at Fishburners in 2011. Um, I came in six months actually after it first opened. I was studying at uh, UTS, doing a Bachelor of Business, and I was doing a few volunteer events with the entourage and a few people that were doing early stage events in the ecosystem back then. Um, always knew I wanted to get into entrepreneurship and startups, but I really had no idea how. At that point, the universities weren't really doing anything around entrepreneurship and startups. Compared to what UTS is now going. <laughs> Exactly. Murray's just taking it to the next level, (laughs) particularly lately. Um, And so I kind of stumbled across it by a bit of luck, to be honest. And um, I had a few friends that were working at 
Fishburners and I found out about it and how it had all kind of been grown by the members and I was really interested by it. And, um, and this is, it was only two floors at this point, right? One floor. One floor. So, so it hadn't taken over the whole no, building. No, so it was one floor of this, um, of our old building in Ultimo. It was a stingy old old floor that um, our wonderful founders, Peter Davison, um, who's a seed investor of PayPal, um, and Mike Casey, who's um, a founder of Grad Connection, um, had taken over and they really started it as a non-for-profit and they just wanted to have a space where like-minded people could come together and create startups. Um, Pete Davison had kind of seen the startup world take over in Silicon Valley. Um, he came back to Australia and was just frustrated that we were so far behind and just said, okay, well, let's let's make something happen. And there was nothing. I mean, this is the kind of thing that we kind of forget is that there just wasn't anything before this. There was nothing. Even at the point there was... Um, not even a, a space for people to have startup events. So mm. we had meet up people coming to us and going, we're doing our meet up events in bars and restaurants. So we go, okay, well, let's start a startup event space. And we were the first ones to have an event space for startups, which now is like, there's hundreds of startup event spaces, right? So yes. this is really back in the day where there really was nothing. And there was a lot of key ecosystem players that were pushing forward to make change happen. Um, and yeah, Fishburners was definitely one of them. So I was very lucky to come on very early on um, at that six-month mark as a junior office manager and just kind of doing whatever needs to be done <laughs> to make the place run. Um, there was no staff, so yeah. I was the first employee. Um, so I was pretty amazed. It was crazy. Um, the fact that an organization could run all by community um, was pretty remarkable. But I believe because of that, Fishburne has had that community DNA from the very beginning, which is what we passed on to what we see today. And that community DNA, which is at the core of Fishburners, has arguably given Australia's startup community a different flavor. I mean, I, one of the qualities that I think we're starting to recognize in ourselves and that when people come from overseas, they recognize in us is that it's friendlier, that people are much more willing to help one another, right? Mm. Is that, I think, in a sense, is that the first level of what Fishburners has brought to all of Australia. I believe so. I think definitely that DNA that was created early on um, has been something that set us apart and has been able to make us do things, I think, a little bit easier than maybe other organisations. Um, obviously, being a not-for-profit has also helped. So um, we do have that family culture. We have a very strict code of conduct um, and we have a very strict culture. So we make sure that everyone coming in here signs up to that culture um, of paying it forward. And, you know, there is someone always a step ahead of you um, that you can learn from, but there's also someone a step behind you that you can teach. So that's something we really instill in all our new members that come through Fish Banners. Um, and we're very lucky that those champions, community champions, we call them, have passed on that DNA one to the other. Um, Fish Banners as an organisation, I think being a non-for-profit, it was almost been a bit like a Switzerland um, in the startup ecosystem. So we want to work with everyone. You know, we don't have competitors. Um, we see anyone that are doing um, good work in the startup ecosystem is growing the ecosystem, which is helping all of us. So we work with everyone from incubators, VCs, accelerators, other co-working spaces, um, um, you know, and that's we're quite a unique position in that way where we're able to find the gaps in the market. So, you know, female entrepreneurship, obviously, back in the day um, when I joined Fishburners, there was one female entrepreneur in the building. Um, and we have done initiatives, you know, full on um, to to help to help um, decrease that gap. Um, and now there are so many other organizations that are doing great things. So we can actually support them rather than trying to create our own things as well and re recreate the wheel. But the thing is, I think in what you're also pointing at is that Fishburners sets the tone. Right. right, And that that's in both an incredibly privileged place, but also an incredibly important one, because if that tone is set around the wrong values or the wrong goals, then the entire ecosystem gets poisoned by that. Mm. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, a lot of what we do as well is that inspiration of how do we actually create more startups. Um, So, you know, working with organizations such as UTS, you know, how do we show entrepreneurship is an option, um, you know, for the earliest stage founders? How do we show entrepreneurship is an option for refugees, Aboriginal culture? How do we show for for female founders? So a lot of what we do as well is, um, you know, around diversity and inclusion and showing people that, you know, no matter who you are, you can start a startup and there's people here to support you if you want to. Okay, so you come in, it's 2011, things are just starting to get going, but there's a certain point sort of around 2013, 2014, where it hits an inflection and it just starts to grow wildly. Mm-hmm. How did you kind of, was it, did that just sort of seem natural to you or was there a certain point where you went, whoa? <laughs> there was definitely a few whoa factors. Um, I think organizations, you know, like General Assembly coming in um, and just more organizations educating people how to start startups, mm-hmm. I think started to play on. Um, and then I think just, because spaces like Fishburners and more co-working spaces that were opening up were showing people that entrepreneurship was an option. It just had this multiplier effect. And you're right, around that 2013, 2014, it just kind of exploded. So I think when we got to about 2015, it was, you know, we were at capacity. We'd taken over all the floors in the building yes. and sort of Murray and I were running around trying to look at every single building in the street, trying to find more space. Yes, I remember. taking little floors of terraces and things just to, you know, get another desk in so we could respond to our waiting list because it would break our hearts having this waiting list of people of, you know, founders that were doing amazing things and we couldn't cater for them. Um, so, yeah. And I, because I, I remember coming one day and Murray had just been to the building that was across the street and it looked like you were going to be able to get space across the street and then that didn't happen. It's almost as though your hearts were also broken in this search as well. Not just that you couldn't give people spaces, but that, in fact, the real estate market in Sydney turned out to be very slippery around this. It was hard. And I think, you know, we started in Ultimo, um, which was fantastic. It was on the outskirts. It was a little bit cheaper, but as you know, Sydney's very expensive. Yeah. Um, and as a non-for-profit, it was just getting, it was getting very hard for us to find affordable workspace um, while still keeping the prices subsidized to our members because that's something we really wanted to keep doing. We wanted to, price is usually the one reason people don't, you know, join the startup ecosystem or co-working space. And we didn't want that to be a factor. So we wanted to work really hard to keep our prices, you know, as low as we could. Um, but also it had to reflect the market in some way. So we were able to expand. So, yeah, it was a tricky it was a tricky time, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, so you you get to this point in 2015 and Fishburners is now full, right? It's full up. And the only way new people are coming in is when people leave Fishburners. And you don't force companies out the door, do you? You know, no. you, you, do, you don't actually say, okay, I'm sorry. And, and it is interesting because a lot of the incubator accelerators sort of started up going, oh, we'll move people along. And it turns out that that's almost less, always less true mm-hmm. than people might want, either because a startup just stops growing and is able to sort of sustain itself inside of a space or just because there's so much a part of the the life of that place that it's very hard to consider them going. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like a lot of people ask about it, why we don't kick people out or ask them to leave. Um, You know, we do have now a cap of 20, 20, 
um, people, which I think is a good cap. Um, but it happened very organically. You know, it does get to a point where co-working doesn't work for bigger teams. I think, you know, they want their own space. They want their own privacy. They want to do their own branding. And so they naturally kind of move out. Um, it's interesting. We have a lot of feedback of teams that have moved out and they've realized that their company culture was very much based on fish burners. Mm. So because we had events and, mm -hmm. you know, we did a lot for their employees, they could come to breakfast and lunches and team activities um, and workshops and upskill themselves that they found that when they left Fishburners, they actually realized they had to recreate their own team culture and they didn't realize how much that their team culture was relying on, on Fishburners. So, on the other hand, though, they now have a book of good examples of how to create the right culture, right? Right, right. No, it's very true. So we've actually had a lot of people like take our terms and conditions and code of conducts and things and checklists of what we do um, that they've taken with them in their new spaces as well, which is awesome. But And do you see the folks who have, have spun out, who've graduated, whatever you want to call it, yeah. do you see them coming into events still and participating? Maybe not at the same level, but it's, it's not really a goodbye. It's a, we'll see you in a bit. It's funny. I always say everyone comes back at some point. Um, there's people from 2011 that I see come back in the ecosystem. Everyone manages to come back. Um, we've done a little bit um, just in terms of getting them back in for speaking events or workshops or things like that. Um, something I really wanted to do this year um, was to engage the alumni a lot more. So we have about 2,000 alumni, which is amazing since 2011. Wow. Um, yeah, it's a big base, wow. really big base. Right. Um, so trying to work out the best way. So we're actually calling a couple at the moment and just trying to get feedback on what is the best way to engage them. Obviously, their time is really precious. Right. Um, so, you know, it's funny. I've had we're getting to that point where eight years in of people want to have, you know, yearly alumni events like a, like universities do, like 2011 or 2012. <laughs> I was like, wow, we really have come a long way <laughs> um, that we can do yearly alumni it's a, events. It's a homecoming week, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could totally right? have a homecoming week. Right. Actually. No, I'm just getting a brainwave. That could be a great part of a Spark Festival, right? Yeah, it's like build totally. that in. Okay. At the same time, 2015, 2016, 2017, Fishburners also starts to spread across Australia and not just in Australia, but across the world, because I think it was setting up in Shanghai when I was there two yes, years ago good as memory. well. Yes. So what does that how does that play into this idea that you want to be able to service the community? How did how is that an organic growth? Yeah, sure. So um, Fishburner's mission is to create more Australian tech startups. Um, so the way we looked at it was a little bit like an investment funnel. So the more we can get in at the bottom, the more likelihood there's more that's going to go through the top. Yeah. Um, so creating more co-working spaces was very natural to us. We've done it in Sydney. It worked really well. We saw the successes of that. Um, so in around 2016, 2015, 2016, we decided that we wanted to be in more locations to be able to increase that funnel. Um, so Brisbane came up as an amazing opportunity. Um, obviously, River City Labs have done a great job sort yes. of cultivating that yes. ecosystem, um, but we believe there was a huge opportunity there to be able to take it to the next level. And they have the coolest building in that old theatre. Yeah, it's yeah. so bizarre. Yeah. It's sort of this juxtaposition where you go through this really old theatre yeah, yeah. um, and then you walk up these stairs into an elevator and then you're in this innovation super, modern space. Super, super modern, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, we took that on and, um, look, it was hard work. We, we we didn't just open the doors and had a magic full floor of startups. We had to do a lot of work to be able to actually create startups. Um, but that's what I think Fishman is as good as going into those earlier ecosystems where we can really make an impact. Um, like a lot of people say, why aren't we in Melbourne? And I think Melbourne's at the point where it doesn't need a Fishman. I think there's a lot of organisations that are doing
doing great things and, you know, there's there's just not that need. Not saying it's off the table forever, but for us, we would rather go into those earlier ecosystems where we can make a big impact mm-hmm. um, and help grow that ecosystem and then, you know, move on to the next where mm-hmm. we can be most useful. But then how does that factor into doing things like Shanghai? And are you in other Shanghai's places a- besides <laughs> Shanghai? <laughs> no. So Shanghai came up a bit randomly from our founder, Pete I was going to say Pete. Because, because <laughs> I met Pete when I was in Shanghai. Absolutely. Right. So he is, um, look, Pete's a bit of a unicorn. He um, came in... Um, <laughs> You know, started Fishbone of Sydney and, um, you know, he really did. He started the ecosystem. He's the most humble guy. I would never say he did, but he did. Um, and then he obviously went over to China, saw the opportunities there and just said, look, there's such a great opportunity for us to do something over here and connect Australian startups, um, you know, with the Chinese startup ecosystem. So um, we have about a 50-seater space over there. Um, I actually just recently went and visited the space as well. In the It's in this tech park. It's called the Kaohajing Tech Park. Like 10% of the... Uh, Shanghai population work there, which is almost like the size of the Sydney population or working at this one tech park. It's massive. Um, So you've got like the head of Johnson Johnson there, Starbucks. um, It's got hotels there. It's just absolutely to the next level. Um, So you kind of have to go to really understand it. But our goal there is, again, if we have startups that want to, you know, want to expand to China, want to, you know, have those connections, we have a bit of a landing pad there that they can go. And and Pete's fantastic. He'll sit down with any startup any day of the week and help them out. So... We're talking to Pandora Shelley on This Week in Startups Australia, and we will be right back. MYOB saves businesses time, helps improve cash flow, gets invoices paid faster, gives real-time visibility of profit and loss, and makes payroll easy. With MYOB, you can create, send, and track customized invoices. This is awesome because Australian businesses can wait on average 43 days to get paid. With MYOB, your clients can pay you directly from your invoices. People who use the MYOB online invoicing solution get paid four times faster. MYOB software will let you know when you've been paid, then update the accounts. You don't have to lift a finger. MYOB's online solutions make pay runs quick and easy, ensuring all of your tax and super payments are compliant with the Australian Tax Office. You can save half a day every month on processing employee pay. MYOB's mobile app means you can create a quote on the job, send invoices straight from the app, and even get paid on the same day you invoice. 1.2 million businesses in Australia and New Zealand use MYOB. Startups, sole traders, and small businesses, all the way up to companies with hundreds of staff. Whatever your stage or size, MYOB has a solution for you. Twista listeners will get a free 30-day trial, and the first 50 people to sign up will also get $100 in cash. Go to myob.com slash twista for your free trial today. And we're back talking to Pandora Shelley, CEO of Fishburners. All right, so we get to this point. Murray steps down, Annie steps up, Annie steps down, and Annie took me aside and said, I'm going to step down. I'm talking to the board tonight. 
I hope they give the job to Pandora. <laughs> She's so sweet. <laughs> and were you ex? I, not so much were you expecting it, but um, how did it feel when you got the nod? Oh, look, I was very grateful. I was a little bit surprised. I think, you know, I've been, I've just celebrated my seventh birthday at Fishburners. Mm. Someone told me that's 25% of my life, which I was like, oh, wow, that made me reflect on things. Um, and when you're talking your adult <laughs> life, it's closer to 100% right. of your adult life, right? Yeah. yeah. So I've had my whole 20s basically at Fishburners. And, um, you know, the fit out, the Sydney startup move was sort of my next probably my next and final step as COO that I really wanted mm. to achieve. Um, you know, I'd done Brisbane, we'd done a few in Sydney, and the Sydney Startup Hub was the next milestone that I really right. wanted to tick. Let's talk about that, because this is a really good point to open this up. So we have Fishburners at capacity from 2015, yeah. all right? And then basically suddenly the clouds part, there is harp music, and they hand you two huge floors in the Sydney Startup Hub, which <laughs> I think in terms of square footage is... Or it's about 4,300, yeah. Which is about what twice or three uh, times? Three times as big as uh, four times as big as our old space, right? And then yeah, three times the membership. So okay, so four times the space, three times the membership. Did you feel like your prayers had been answered? I did, but then also went, oh my god, what have we signed up to? And I now need to manage this huge fit out. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It was, and we're so grateful. It really wouldn't have happened without the Jobs New South Wales support. Yeah. We've been going around in circles mm. for years trying to get support, um, and they really came to the table and stepped up and believed in the vision we sold to them. Um, so, you know, we're forever thankful to that. And now we have a whole building full of startups, which I don't think, you know, people have been talking about for years, but I don't know if anyone actually thought it was going to happen. No, um, no one thought it was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just walking around, when Annie invited me over, and I've said this a few times on the podcast, which was in January, just sort of, just when things were opening up, and I was literally, and she's like, oh my God, the look in your face, because I was wearing the silliest grin on my face the entire time I was walking around, and she kept on showing me more and more and more space, yeah. because it just felt like, it was it was like Christmas. I don't even know how else to describe it. it like was you've just Christmas. gotten the best present you've ever gotten. Yeah, absolutely. And it came at Christmas time, so that yeah. was nice. <laughs> true, true. Um, no, it was. And, you know, like we'd been in the old space for a while and as much as it had its wonderful charm, it was a very old building. It was falling apart and yes. we really needed to get into something new. Um, it was like a frat house. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got there in the end and every week it was like there was like a leak or something. I was like, one more week. We just need to get through. One more week till we leave. Um, but, yeah, look, being in the CBD has been a game changer for us. It's funny, like, you know, Ultima is not that far away, but in an entrepreneur's mind, it seems to be. Um, so we've gone, we moved in with about 250 members and we're about 550 now. And I've heard that you're full now. We're at about 80% capacity. Oh, so, so 80%, not okay. full. Um, we definitely still have taking applications. Okay. Um, but yeah, the growth has been tremendous. Because we're talking to Chantal here, yeah. we're also at about 80% here at the studio. And so I get, so we're getting to this point now where the building, which is wonderful and we all love it, and I think of it as a miracle. And again, you're right. People will now come here. So investors will come here for meetings. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurs will come here. It's become a true hub. Yeah. But we're also staring at the fact that in six months, give or take, the building's going to be full. Mm -hmm. How how does that – what do we do? We must be thinking about yeah, this. Yeah, look, it is. It's a lot faster than we thought, but we definitely knew it would it would be quite a quite a huge growth spurt. Um, 
for me, look, at Fishburne as being a non-for-profit, we are very heavily reliant on subsidy yeah. space, um, especially in the CBD because it's quite expensive. Um, something I've been wanting to push kind of coming into the new role this year is how can we, again, increase that funnel, scale Fishburners without necessarily needing to take space. Um, so something we've actually soft, soft launched this year is a virtual membership. Ah. Um, yeah. So, okay, so what, what do you get with a virtual membership? So basically everything we do except for the physical desk. Okay. Um, so we get a lot of inquiries from people overseas that have visited Fishburners, go, look, I haven't found a community like Fishburners overseas, even in Silicon Valley. Um, people in rural areas that just don't have, yeah. you know, any connection to a co-working space. Um, so everything from streaming all our events and programs um, yep. will be on there, a directory of all our members. So you can go on there and search yep. maybe, hey, I'm, you know, a technical person, but I need help with marketing. You can search marketing and find members that can help you with marketing. So sort of almost mentor office hours around that. Mentor office hours, connecting with our alumni as well, yep. um, discussion boards, so where you can ask questions, recommendations, things right. like that, and um, like a resource center. So, you know, past pitch decks of some of our alumni that have raised, you know, yep. 500k plus, um, you know, legal documents, all that sort of thing that you can just, you know, plug and play um, to get on your way. So that's something we've soft launched with about 100 alumni at the moment and our current members. Um, and then we're hoping to release that to the public in the next couple of months. That's that's so, I really like that because I think that that's I think you're absolutely right. It's carrying the fish burners idea, the core idea there, right, which is that people can help other people and connect and and either give or get according to their needs and their capacities at any point in time, and that we can do this nationally, not by gathering everyone in a single building, although there are some things that are really absolutely. nice about this and sitting on top of a transport hub as we are at Winyard, but that if you can't do that, that doesn't mean that you're cut off. Exactly. And it's it's a fallback option as well for people that might not be able to take that leap in terms of taking a physical desk and maybe they're working on it part time or, you know, on the weekends or after work. And or they're, they're just taking care just... of the kids or. Right. 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 Um, so it's a way we can kind of give back again to the community and give people no matter, you know, who they are, where they're working on, where they live, they can still have an opportunity what are your feelings about the Gigantor Central slash Everly hub that is being mooted now? I mean, we've had several people, we've had Beat Moron, and we've had other people talking about it. Uh, I mean, I love the idea. I just feel like it's probably a decade away, and so mm, we shouldn't mm. get too set on it, because by the time it's here, we'll all be in a different place. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm, I'm on the task force as well with Bede, Um and, you know, I, you know, not knowing if Fishburners will take part or not or even where I'll be in 10 years or so when it happens. But, you know, I think it's really important that we have that discussion and we are investing into the idea mm. of something like that happening. Um, to be honest, like thinking about, you know, if we're out of space now, we are going to need yeah. to have a very, very large space to accommodate all these organisations. Yeah. And we are very lucky that the space is available um, fairly close to the, you know, the CBD district and yeah. the investment they're making into transport and things like that. It will actually be, it will be quite a hub. Um, so look, I'm I'm very positive about it. I, I'm very excited by it, but it is quite far away. So mm. it's hard to plan that far ahead. But what we can do is, you know, put it all we can into it to make it success from what we've learned over the last you know 10 years of this ecosystem um but it's still it's still a bit touch and go to be honest to see you know i think once we can get a bit more confirmation i think mm. we can consolidate plans a bit more i because one of the things and, and i've again talked to guests about this is we're actually seeing rather than that formal hub that they will build we're seeing the, a, 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 an informal district mm. 
which I'm calling the York Street District. So, you know, you have Blue Chili at one end, you have the Startup Hub at the other, you have Tyro one street away, you have Barangaroo, which is now Facebook apparently is moving in mm. and all this. Mm. And so you're actually getting a de facto district in the big end of town where mm. the real estate is expensive. Right. Startups have managed somehow by hook and by crook and by the benefits of politicians to carve out a space. Will we see more growth in this in this neck of the woods before we start to see it pop up somewhere else? I think so. I think we're all here now. Um, I think regardless, we'll probably always have clusters. I don't think, mm. you know, it's going to be impossible to move everyone into the yeah. same district. I yeah. mean, you've got people on 10-year leases and things like that. So you're never going to get day one, everyone in the same spot day one. And I think there's some organisations that naturally need to be in the CBD. You know, for example, there's a fintech hub in the CBD and they need to be close to their to customers the and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So I don't think it will get to a point where we get 100% over there, but I also think that that's okay. Um, and I think, you know, being in the this knowing that the Everly um, central area is so close to CBD anyway, mm. it's going to be a close enough connection. Um, but for now, we are very happy being in the CBD and, you know, our members love it. So I can't see ourselves moving out of here anytime soon. Okay, final question. Let's take ourselves forward five years. Mm. You've been sort of five and a half years in the role at that point. What does fish burners look like in the early 2020s? Oh, it's a really, really good question. Um, look, uh, 2020. 2022, 2023, five years from now. What do you want for it? I want fish burners. Uh, I need to think about this. Right. <laughs> it's a hard question, yeah. to be honest. Do you know why it's hard? It's because the ecosystem is moving at such a fast rate. Yes. So things we plan two years in advance even change 10 times before that even happens. Um, but I'm not asking you to plan, right? Because I'm, not, I'm really asking you to speak from Fishburner's heart. What does Fishburner's want from Fishburner's heart for the ecosystem? What does it look like? I would love for Fishburner's to contribute to the ecosystem as it has been, but make Australia, you know, one of the top contenders of, of spaces to generate tech startups. Um, you know, we're, we're getting there, but we're still we're still far behind. Um, so that's through co-working, it's through inspiration, it's through virtual memberships. I would like to see us, you know, having that really strong impact on the ecosystem where Australia can be a force to be reckoned with in the world for tech startups. Um, what that is, I think, you know, there's a million ideas, but I would like to see us being like, oh, Fishburners was a huge contributor, continues to be a huge contributor to the ecosystem. Pandora Shelley, thank you so much for joining us in This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks, Mark. The University of Technology, Sydney, recognizes the incredible potential of the next generation of Australian startup founders. UTS believes entrepreneurship is about doing, inspiring students to take that first step on their founder journey, then encouraging them to keep going. UTS Startups supports student founders from ideation stage to launch with one-on-one -on -one mentorship and guidance to support them from across the entire startup ecosystem. 
This new UTS startup model focuses on connecting each founder with what they need, when they need it, as well as forging connections between members of the UTS startups community. Go see their vibrant collaboration space on Harris Street in Ultimo or visit startups.uts.edu.au to find out more. We recently launched a new segment for Series 6 of This Week in Startups Australia, asking all of the many incubator and accelerator programs running across the country to spruik their programs to twist a listeners in their own words. This week, we'll hear from Kate Cooper, Head of Innovation and Group Methodology at Westpac, running the Innovation Challenge. Take it away, Kate. Thanks, Mark. My name is Kate Cooper, Head of Innovation at Westpac. The Westpac Innovation Challenge is now in its fifth year. And in that times looked at areas like property, agribusiness, health and professional services. This year I'm really excited to say we're focused on regtech. When businesses thrive, we all thrive, and the purpose of the innovation challenge is to help uncover those businesses that will help drive Australia's future. Our program calls for entrepreneurs, startups and scale-ups to submit their idea to deliver game-changing solution this year for regtech. We will shortlist and then select five finalists who we will bring to Sydney on Thursday, November 29th and Friday, November 30th for a two-day boot camp. At the boot camp, each finalist will have the unprecedented access to levels of support from a range of SMEs and leaders from across Westpac and our strategic partners before they pitch to an industry-leading panel of judges. Westpac also has the Business of Tomorrow programme and two of the previous winners have both gone on to be selected for that programme. We've had awesome success with all four previous winners. Original winner, Real As was acquired. Agri startup Ag Draft was established itself as a unique offering for farmers. Surgical Partners is revolutionising the back-end accounting for doctors across Australia. And last year's winner, Checkbox AI, has gone on to enjoy global success. Entries are now open and close midnight Sunday 4th of November. We're really looking forward to seeing all the great entrepreneurs that apply. Head to westpacinnovation.com.au. When it comes to email marketing, there's so much more that goes into creating smart and effective campaigns than what meets the eye. That's why Campaign Monitor created an easy-to-use email marketing platform, complete with simple drag-and-drop email editor and award-winning 24-7 customer service. Campaign Monitor gives you everything you need to run beautifully designed, professional email marketing campaigns to grow your business. With their gallery of beautiful, professionally designed email templates, all of which look amazing on every device, you're bound to find something that will make your brand pop. And since Campaign Monitor uses detailed lists and smart segments, your messages instantly drive more engagement. No wonder it's used by more than 250,000 businesses worldwide. And it's rated highest in customer satisfaction among major email marketing software vendors. To start building smart and beautiful email newsletters today, try Campaign Monitor for free at campaignmonitor.com twist. 
Listeners who sign up and become a customer will receive a free t-shirt. Again, that's campaignmonitor.com slash twist. Pandora Shelley's journey is a microcosm of the startup journey in Australia. She came into Fishburners when Fishburners was still very new, when Fishburners existed because people knew there was a need for what Fishburners would offer, which was a place, a sense of community, a way to connect and learn from other people, a way to connect and to teach other people. And all of that times all of these years has given the Australian startup ecosystem a unique flavor, a unique tenderness, a unique meaningfulness, which is something beyond just money. Not that money is unimportant, but that there are other values and those values are important too, and that it is important to have institutions in the community that both maintain and transmit those values to others. Fishburners is that for us, and we need to carry that through as far into the future as we can see if we want to have a community that makes us proud to be part of it. Big thanks to Twister sponsors MYOB, UTS, and Campaign Monitor. Their support makes our podcast possible. Thanks to Pandora Shelley and Kate Cooper for joining us on this episode. We've recently rebuilt and relaunched our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, all the links to all the stories. So check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We'll be back next week with our annual look at the just-released Startup Muster survey. I've already heard there are some very controversial findings. So learn where we've come from and where we're going next week on This Week in Startups Australia. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening.